All right, Mike, welcome back to another one. Rory, here we are again. Yeah. I'm going to do a bit of a sort of a technical one this time, talk yeah. a bit about leading indicators. So important. Yeah, and how people can really use them to sort of front load their bias and their idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So, I mean, we're recording this on Friday. Um, this will be out, obviously, next week, which is quite the start of uh, May, which is going to be a heavy week for leading absolutely. indicators. We absolutely. have the two ISM reports coming out yeah. and the, um, the employment report coming out in the US for NFP. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's three big ones. We could probably just touch upon them really. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I feel as though uh, non-farm payrolls are probably, you know, the almost, you know, the the leading, leading, leading indicator that people look for, uh, yeah. for, you know, uh, slowdown in, you know, uh, the US. Um, just to break things down for those that may not be familiar, so US non-farm payrolls are basically an insight into the strength of the economy. It basically gives you an insight into job openings and obviously um, everything associated with the economy except from, you know, uh, farming, basically. Yeah. Um, these have been really prevalent during, you know, 2022, even now when central banks move rates higher. Mm-hmm. And basically... Uh, why people look at non-farm payrolls so much is because it's the real economy. Yeah. It's people's livelihoods. It's, it's, it's people in jobs. And um, what, uh, unfortunately for uh, people out there, what, you know, central banks have, you know, been trying to artificially engineer, like it or love it, is a slowdown. Yeah. So when we raise rates, you know, we look to non-farm payrolls as the indication moving forward as to, as to kind of understand, okay, is what we're doing working? Yeah. You know, I feel as though it is up there, up there with regards to importance. It is. And it's a heavy retail sort of space as well. A lot of retail traders really put their focus on it. Mm-hmm. And professional traders likewise as well would tend to focus on it. As you say, it just gives a very good overview yeah. of how the economy is performing. I mean, if, if nobody's working, nobody's earning. If nobody's earning, nobody's spending. You know, it's really as simple as that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's as you said. I think I think I was, uh, you know, a great point. Starts with non-farm payrolls, but then it trickles down, and it's just like okay, jobs, lack of jobs, yeah. disposable income, and it's kind of it's almost like a, it's a bellwether and a sort of forecast as to what we can expect from other sort of releases, whether it's you know disposable income and whatever. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a great sort of. Uh, uh, bellwether and something I feel is like every trader should have on their radar. If you don't look at it, uh, especially if you're a macro guy or girl, yeah, you know that that definitely needs to be in your arsenal for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I think even just keeping up the date with it. I mean, you know, if you're looking to take anything, especially around US dollar mm. on the Friday, yeah, you need to be aware of the NFP coming out. I mean, if there's a huge miss either side, yeah, you, you could be caught on the wrong side of a trade very quickly. Absolutely. And I think, Absolutely. and I think everybody needs, you know. Uh, you know, we've mentioned it a few times that everybody needs a bias in terms of fundamentals and in terms of macro yeah. rather than this technical bias on a chart. You know, just because something has been trending up or trending sideways, you know, that's one way to gather a bias at a very, very simple level. Yeah. But you need that macro bias. You need the fundamental. You know, if NFP has been uh, trending down and missing for the last four months, let's say, yeah. but the trend line's starting to move up, but not as a steep at a rate. Could that start to mean that there's going to be a reversal? That screams to to, me, pivot. Yeah, Yeah. you have to start bringing these things into it as well. Absolutely. So I would say one of the main things people do have to look at are leading indicators, and one of them being NFP, payrolls. So coming out, it'll be out this Friday, 1.30. Mm -hmm. 
you know, make sure to keep, take a look at that. 100%. Maybe potentially we'll be able to jump on a live, maybe, yeah, and yeah. do it. Whether we'll be here recording or we'll figure it out. Yeah. So hopefully we'll be able to do that. Absolutely. Another one I like to look at, Mike, is actually um, the ISM. Mm. I think it's a great, especially for, maybe not so much for the Forex guys, um, but for stocks, I think it's a really, really good report. Um, I mean, there's different segments in it, and it's broken up into the ISM is, a, is the index itself. Then you have new orders, employment, deliveries. And for for, that, for those that. guys and girls that don't know, ISM, break yeah, that out. Institute of Supply Management, pretty much. PMI is just the Purchasing Manager Index. Yeah. And then you also have the Services Index. There is also a healthcare index you can look at too, but yep. not very highly regarded. And there's obviously the different sections of that ISM. So as I said, there's employment, there's new, new orders, which yep. is the main one. Yep. So basically what it shows is... Uh, they do a survey of all these different uh, industries mm. and they say, well, what's your new orders like? And they put that into the, the um, aggregate number. Then they say, well, what's your employment like? What's mm. your exports like? What's your imports like? Very much a macro indicator. Yeah. So it's it? a very heavy macro indicator. And, it's and more, most importantly, it's it's very real economy yeah. reflective. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have to kind of draw a distinction between what we see on headlines with regards to uh, headline inflation, core inflation. But, you know, as we said, you know, especially in the current climate with inflation, what it necessarily boils down to is, as Rory was highlighting, is that real economy. So, you know, I feel as though it's great indicator to give you an insight into the X's and O's beyond those, you know, headlines that we see. Yeah, and they're actually in the the qualitative section. At the end, they actually have a report Mm. that lists every gigs um, sector yeah. from highest to lowest. Yeah. So it'll say that, for example, the apparel and leather um, products was the the most productive last season, yep. last month. And then it'll maybe say, you know, mining equipment, things like that, paper and mm. supplies. It actually starts listing them all to yeah. see which ones is growing the most and which ones is contracting the most. Yeah. So you can then see, well, if, for example, paper industry is growing the most what do you do you go onto your stock screener yeah. you look for everything in the in paper. paper industry yeah. and then you start doing a quantitative analysis from there and you can start seeing the best yeah there you go it's a great breakdown isn't yeah. it yeah you know, so i mean it's as simple as that yeah and what would you say is probably your third choice of indicator there well just based on next week probably the services yeah looking at the ism services so yeah, the yeah. exact same report but only looking at the services economy so it'd be yeah. like financials and it Absolutely. And yeah, kind of just touching on that, Rory, like, I mean, it's so important when we're looking at the US, UK, Eurozone, obviously, you know, very much developed economies and uh, the UK isn't what it used to be in in the 1940s and 50s. We don't don't export much, only services, really. We're a serviced economy. That's absolutely we are. Yeah, yeah. You know, running a high deficit, you know. Oh, we love it. Yeah, we, we, we love us talking about credit, you know. Yeah. I think the UK have heard of this credit thing and so it says, yeah, let's, let's run a deficit, see what it's like for yeah. one year. And they, they got addicted to it. And yeah, again, as you said, it's super important, obviously, to look at the service side of things because obviously that's where we find most of the developed world work. And yeah. again, it's a great indication into, you know, the uh, uh, the real economy because, again, a lot, a lot of guys and girls now are going to university getting qualifications and they're not going into, you know, trades. They're going into the service sector. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, the service sector plays a part in terms of, you know, adding to that inflation number two. Yeah. So uh, I, I'd agree with you there. I feel as though it's a good one to watch in terms of, again, that real life uh, Im, 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 implication. But, you know, it's, it kind of, it just kind of goes to show as well, like, 
in terms of where we are as an economy, when we are in periods of high inflation, you know, those that tend to benefit are economies that, you know, are very much on the flip side of services. They're very much in the manufacturing, yeah. you know, uh, the raw side of the supply chain in terms of, you know, uh, agriculture, raw materials, they'll benefit. And then, you know, where you start seeing, um, you know, the pains on the service side, because there's more discretion in terms of, well, do we really need this service or that service? And yeah. then it's a bartering process and it's a haggling down process where you can't live without the flip side of that equation, as I just said. Yeah. Your raw materials, your inputs into that supply chain. Exactly. You know? And, you know, just to add as well that the sort of manufacturing side of it, X services is the real economy, you know, making machines, making equipment. You know, that's the real economy. You're paying people to actually make these machines. Yep. These machines then go out and actually add into the, you know, into the economy. They're doing a job. That's the sort of real economy. This service-based economy, I mean, you know, you're paying, you could pay 200 grand for a service that lasts five minutes. Yep. You know, it's not really adding value into the economy. All it's doing is just adding money. Of course. Into the economy. And it's not the real nuts and bolts. It's not. And when we move into a more global yep. economy, I mean, we've seen it in recent years. These things are easily outsourced. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of talented guys and girls working in emerging markets that will do the same thing an accountant would over here in the UK at a cheaper rate. Yeah. You know, with the, with the exact same output. India is one of the biggest outsourcing countries. There we go. I mean, what com what company doesn't outsource their IT to India? I think we all do, don't we? You know, yeah. <laughs> the last company I worked at, any IT issue you had, had to be in before two o'clock yeah. because they're in India. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, and it was like, I just don't understand why everything's going to India because if we're working late, we can't get in touch with them. No, of course. You know, it was just a nightmare. It, yeah, again, a but bit of a drawback, isn't it? When I was told how much they were being paid, it was like, oh, fair yeah, enough. I understand. I understand. <laughs> that whole call center is on the same amount of money as just one person here. So Yeah. And it's, you know, again, when we go back to these indicators, they give, you know, the oversight, which the charts don't necessarily necessarily depict yeah. it's all good drawing your support lines your trend lines but to understand the psychology of the wider economy and the participants within said markets that you're looking at yeah. you know this is where you know indicators like payrolls really come into hand yeah because you know they, they are essential they'll brush up you i feel as though in order to really become a well-rounded trader and investor you can't look at things in isolation no as much as you may have a focus on forex or a particular forex pair well you need to understand what's going on in terms of you know uh the gdp growth in that country what manufacturing looks like in that economy uh it, these are just numbers and stats that are you know published on a, on a monthly or quarterly basis that you have to pay attention to yeah you do i mean just come back to the forex pairs if you're trading that you have to understand what moves it absolutely you know it's not just a few lines on a chart and you know, it's always going to stay within them lines. It's never going to be that case. No. You know, they're just there because, literally because there's nothing happening and it is trading sideways. Mm. You know, I think the best way to trade FX is anticipating those breakouts. Yeah. That's where the real yeah. money's made. Yeah, absolutely. You know, taking the range trading, that's fine if that's what you're into, but it's anticipating that breakout. It's about looking at the employment figures, looking at the GDP reports, the inflation, and saying, right, this is what's happening. I think that this is going to come. Mm-hmm. I'm going to now start to buy in for a breakout. Yeah. And once you start buying in for that, that's where you make the big money. Absolutely. Completely agree. You know, um, what else did we cover? ISM, NMI, mm. and then payrolls. Payrolls, I think, I think they're a solid free. 
I feel as though once you kind of understand those, even on a basic level, you'll kind of see your perspective when you go through yeah. your checks. When you when you are potentially lining up a trade, you're going to get your, okay, uh, on the technical front, so you'll look at your trends, you'll look at your indicators in terms of your, your RSI, your volumes, whatever. But then when you look at figures like these, it's that step beyond, you know, it's the macros that supplement or, you know, could cause you know traders to to reevaluate their processes yeah. but it's listen the, the end game is put as many uh things in your basket and and, and in your favor and the likelihood of a downside shock is exactly. minimal yeah. and that's ultimately what we're trying to do we're trying to make as much on the upside but ultimately how do we do that it's by mitigating the downside yeah exactly yep. don't be lazy and do the work yeah yeah pay attention to those indicators yeah exactly there we go i think that's it i think we'll cover a few more indicators next time absolutely Maybe make it relevant each week absolutely the ones coming out yeah. cheers mike thanks awesome Rory. good one Rory, back again, back again. Yeah, another one. There we go. Um, so, what's the talking point? I think it's gold. Podcast? I think it has to be gold. I think, you know, we're in a very interesting week with regards to earnings. Obviously, you've got central banks going next week. It's um, interesting. Mm -hmm. Companies doing well this week on the on, on the whole. Yeah. And we see some of the banking stocks, you know, oh, not looking great. Deposits being drawn. We're seeing, you know, some of them really taking a brunt of a beating. Yeah and um uncertainty moving forward with regards to rates where is terminal rate we don't know uh where are we starting to price in cuts and pauses nobody knows yeah. so you know in times of uncertainty do we see gold benefit yeah exactly that's yeah. that's going to be probably the main question yeah i mean without trying to make this podcast just relevant to this week you know we can actually look at it mm. as a whole absolutely i mean you know the typical Typical saying is that in times of uncertainty, investors flock to gold. You know, are we seeing that right now? It's an interesting one. I mean, we you know. touched 2000 the other week. Um, we're hugging that kind of, that sort of level. We're yeah. about 1985 just before recording this. We're not moving in either direction, north or south of that 2000 level with any conviction no. in my eyes. Yeah. And that's looking at it on the daily time frame. Yeah. So in order for us to kind of position ourselves for the longer term, it's very much oh. At the moment, I I think I'd rather be in gold. Yeah. As opposed to you know be in a more riskier asset. Yeah. And I ultimately feel as though that's what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. When we see an influx of price movement upwards in gold, I feel as though that's the rest of the market saying, right, I'm not going to be in this risky asset or this currency yeah. pair. Instead, I'm going to sit this one out until, you know, trends within those markets start to formulate and start to become evident. And then we see money coming from those asset classes, those currency pairs, and then coming into, into gold to... In other words, just sit it out. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Because I think at the moment we're starting to see, 
you know, gold gold getting a few big moves every day. Yeah. Then next thing, equities are down. Equities are up. Gold's up. Gold's down. Yeah. It doesn't really money doesn't really seem to know where it wants to go no. at the minute. And as no. you say, that's why it's probably primarily hugging that two thousand level. Yeah. That's probably why it just can't break out of it as such yet. No. And I feel as though if you're looking at gold and you and you're wanting you know kind of price levels to monitor, yeah. I'd say nineteen fifty. Yeah, would be you know kind of where you start thinking, uh oh, is uh, gold in for a bit of a bear run, and then you know a level to really cement the move away from gold. I say is nineteen hundred, eighteen fifty. Yeah. I feel as though nineteen fifty is something to put you on your toes. Yeah, wouldn't start running for the hills as of yet, but when you start creeping towards that nineteen hundred level, I really do feel as though you you have to look at that and think, right, sentiment has changed, yeah. risk appetite has changed. And as you said, Rory, uh, and, qu and quite rightly so, you see, um, you know, the popular narrative is equities doing well, gold coming off a bit. Yeah. You know, that, that is largely what it is. You know? Yeah, exactly. And if we look sort of towards, you know, the next the midterm to the long term now, yeah. if we do start to see equities coming off, could we maybe start to see gold pushing up a bit higher? Or I could we so. just see people maybe flocking out of it altogether, thinking that it's, that it's overvalued where it is. Mm, I feel as though it's an interesting one because as we discussed previously, you know, the recessionary fears are there. Mm -hmm. You don't really get safer than gold yep. in, a, in, a, in a recession. And with regards to where we're moving to now, rates being uncertain, we, we've said, yes, 25s is what's expected next week. But in terms of where the longer term terminal rate sits, yeah. We don't know. We no. don't know. You, listen, your your guess is as good as ours. Mm -hmm. Um, but what we kind of have to, you know, kind of kind of decide or decipher is dollar strength. Is dollar strength here? Oh, it's maybe if we see some sort of indication given by Fed talk and Fed narrative following hikes next week. Well, then maybe we could kind of price in some dollar strength. Yeah, and then you know I got I posted it. I might have been last week or the week before. You know the inverse relationship between the dollar and gold. Well, then you know there's some dollar strength for you. Then it's like okay, we'll find the risk is somewhat there whilst it's being put into the dollar as opposed to gold. Yeah, but I feel as though with expectation that there is a ways to go. We also do have to bear in mind the the health of the financial ecosystem, especially with regards to the financial. Uh, sorry, the regional banks over in the US. Mm -hmm. If there's any more fragility in them, I feel as though gold is going to be the main main beneficiary, not the dollar. Yeah, and it's it, it, a short term. I feel as though gold fluctuates between 2000, 1970, up and above. We might see some moves above that. I don't think any clear breakouts as of yet. I feel as though your clear breakouts, as you said, Rory, will be governed and dictated by the larger macro picture yeah i think so i think you're right i mean i sort of see gold right now just stuck between 1900 and 2100 yeah that sort of 200 point yeah. range i yeah. just don't think it's gonna it's gonna move outside of that until something big happens mm. and the question i always have is if something big happens right and people lose a lot of money where do they tend to go for liquidity i i sometimes think people go back to gold pull mm. money out of gold to try and retain liquidity good point you know that's always i think if if something crashes hard sometimes you can see gold come down maybe not as much or as bad as other assets 
but it can also come down slightly. Mm. But I think in the longer term run, it will always just play out that bit longer. Yeah. I mean, you know, the highlight of this episode, I think, is just that inverse relationship between gold and risk assets. Yeah. Yeah. I feel as though gold, even if you aren't invested in gold, yeah. just keep an eye on it. It gives a good indication as to where risk sentiment is with regards to the wider markets. And, you know, whether you're a crypto guy or girl, you know, or you're a commodity trader, you know, you, you kind of need to understand, you know, what the wider markets are feeling in terms of risk on risk off sentiment. Exactly. I think yeah. it's essential. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. So I think that's that's everything for that one, yeah? Absolutely. Yeah. Keep nice an eye one. on gold, guys. Yeah, exactly. There you Do go. the homework. Yeah. All right, Mike. Nice one. Cheers. Nice one, Rory. See you next week. Nice one.